Welcome to Day Beautiful. My name is Adam Vitkavage, and this is a podcast where you can discover debut authors through in-depth interviews about their life, their book, what gets them going in the morning, and all of their creativity. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net and follow Day Beautiful on all social medias at Day Beautiful. Today's guest is the recipient of the Alice Hoffman Prize for Fiction, and her work has appeared in The Paris Review, Tin House, One Story, The Yale Review, and elsewhere. Her debut book is a short story collection called Milk Blood Heat. She lives in Northeast Florida. Her name is Dantiel W. Moniz. Hey, Dantiel, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I've been looking at the work that you've been doing, like on Instagram and Twitter. I'm excited to be interviewed by you. Oh, for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I think I first heard about your collection through Tahira Madden. Um, she probably like, tweeted about it, and you've been on my radar for such a long time. I'm so excited to finally have your book in my hands, and I've like read through it in one night. Um, I know what Milk Blood Heat's all about, but tell readers what this collection means and is about. Yeah, so Milk Blood Heat is a collection of uh, 11 short stories. They're all set in and around Florida, uh, specifically northeast, northeast Florida, like Jacksonville, where I grew up. And they're kind of dealing with um, moments in these characters' lives where they either have to, they come, they come upon new knowledge and they either have to make a decision to live their lives in accordance with this knowledge or to reject it. But, you know, even, you know, once you know a thing, you can't unknow a thing. So it still changes their lives, whether these, these characters are moving in action or in action. So um, it's, it's a bunch of different scenarios. You know, you have um, characters who are 13 year old girls, characters who are like, you know, men in their later in their lives trying to figure out what that means. So it's just kind of all centering on identity and like, who are we and can that change? Yeah, and, and and Florida is such a, I mean, I think every place is a weird place. I grew up in Pennsylvania and then Phoenix, and yeah. I, you know, but Florida especially gets this, like, internet slack for being like, oh, they're from Florida, like, of course really that happens. Does. Um, is Florida really that weird? I mean, it is, but like you said, so many other places are weird, it's just like, like people are like, oh, Florida man. I was like, well, you have a Florida man too, but it's called New York man or it's called Maine man. You know what I mean? Like everyone has those, um, you know, local flavors and colorings. But I mean, Florida is very diverse. You know, we have up up in northern Florida where I am, um, you know, it's hot. It's hot everywhere in Florida, but it also gets really cold. Like right now it's like 30 degrees, which is <laughs> really cold for us. And, uh, you know, in South Florida, you have more of a kind of, uh, tropical feel down there so I mean it's it's varied it's weird we have swamps but it's I don't think it's that much weirder than any other place we just are like the most memeable <laughs> you know yeah definitely and, and Florida yeah it is so diverse the only part of Florida I've, I've ever been in was Pensacola uh, for a music festival that I oh, covered Panhandle. yeah which I was like oh this is Florida <laughs> like I did not know this even existed <laughs> Like, I knew, like, geographically yeah, I mean, it existed, yeah. but not, like, the people there. Yeah, and I think, too, another thing with Florida being so, like, oh, you're from Florida, that makes sense. I think there's also a lot of um, elitism in that. Like, you know, what what people do when they hear southern states just in general. Like, oh, okay, these uneducated buffoons. Yeah, of course, that makes sense. So I think there's a lot going on with people's 
perception of Florida. And it, it hasn't helped in the last four years um, that president who shall not be named, you know, relationship with Florida. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The president who shall not, shall not be named. Um, yeah, for sure. So this, so you're you are from Florida, born and raised, and, you, and you're still there, then, right? Yeah, I'm born and raised from Jacksonville. I've left a handful mm. of times, but I'm like I'm always back here somehow. We'll see. Yeah, I'm here for now. Uh, but yeah. What about Florida interests you? I mean, people are from all over, but they, their writing explores places that maybe they're not necessarily from. Why write 11 stories about this location, these locations? I think for me, I mean, obviously it's my home and it's really cool to see your home, um, you know, written about or filmed, which doesn't really happen a lot, um, especially for Jacksonville. You know, you see it a lot. You see Florida, it's mostly like, oh, it's Disney World. Oh, it's Miami, you know, that kind of thing. So Jacksonville, even though it's the third largest city in the contiguous United States, it gets left out a lot. So it's cool on that hand, just like I want to write about the place where I'm from, that there are stories here that are worth telling that, you know, there are ordinary people living like extraordinary lives just like anywhere else. But in particular, I wanted to write about Florida because um, it's not seen as a literary place. You know, like I didn't even know you could, like be a writer from here or that writers came from here or wrote about this place, you know, Florida in general. So I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do that. And I know, you know, a lot of Florida stories have been coming out recently. You know, we've got Karen Russell, Chris Narnett, Lauren Groff, but I'm still like, there's so many Florida stories that still haven't been tapped. And in particular, I haven't really seen other than like, you know, there's Zora Neale Hurston, obviously, but there's still so many like black Florida stories that could be told. So I'm like, okay, let me do that. You know, I know this place. Let me do that. Yeah, yeah. When was the first time you realized, oh, I can be a writer from Florida? Well, it was really late. <laughs> it was really, really late in my life. Um, like, as far as, like, actually I could make a book and do this. But I, I did. I was fortunate enough to be really supported by my mom in my creative pursuits. Like, she always would read what I would write and would be like, oh, this is so good, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I went to an arts high school here for writing. But still, even then, it wasn't like preparing me to possibly be a writer. It was just like, okay, you wrote. Here's your diploma. This is great. Um, but I think it was, well, one of the moments was when I was the emerging writer for Key West Literary Seminars. And, you know, we were in Key West. Um, but then, you know, Elizabeth Bishop spent some time there. Hemingway, obviously. So it's just later in life I was like, oh, this is a real thing that I could do. And so I'm glad that it came to me, even if that late. Yeah, like growing up, like, you know, Hemingway, Zornia Hurston, people who have ties to Florida. Did you gravitate to those writing or what were you what were you reading? What interested you like growing up in such a unique place? I was mostly reading like Animorphs and Goosebumps, if I'm being really honest, and like, I think that I found a copy of How Stella Got Her Groove back in my um, stepmother's like drawer or whatever. And I read that. I was always reading a lot of like age inappropriate books, uh, but which is, I don't know, it didn't turn out bad. So, but yeah, I wasn't reading anything Florida specific. I was just reading whatever I could. Like I just wanted to read everything. So um, I read a lot of V.C. Andrews, which 
now that I'm thinking about what I write about makes a lot of sense because she just pretty much wrote fucked up families. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that makes sense. When did you first see not white Florida represented? <sighs> Has it been represented? You so, know what I, mean? <laughs> I mean, again, I didn't come to Zora Neale Hurston's work until after I was already writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would have been obviously one, but it's other than her, honestly, it's hard for me to think of Florida writing being represented by a black woman author. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Or oh, just yeah. in general, like I, it's honestly escapes me. Like that's why when I was like, Oh, this book is set in, Oh, this is like Florida. Okay. Um, I was just happy when, you know, books were coming out and they mentioned it at all. I was mm-hmm. just like, Oh, you know, like even like, I think the first, the first book that I ever saw Jacksonville represented. Um, and this is obviously not even a black book at all period, but it was in twilight. Oh, yeah. It was, um, the, <laughs> I'm serious. So, you know, there's that part where yeah. her mom, Bella's mom is like, Oh, I'm married to this dude. And he's going to play for the Jacksonville sons. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, but that's, you know, no, for not sure. the same thing. But that was the first time where I was like, Oh, people know about Jacksonville. They know we're here. Yeah. So that was like, I, I'm trying to think, like, I, I can't think of a, any non-white Florida stories or anything that mentions Jacksonville. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And, like, Twilight no, was, what, I 2007 can't. or something? Two, oh, yeah. So, yeah, in the early 2000s. Yeah, uh, ten, yeah that kind of thing. And, and so, yeah, that was a long time ago. And, and, and so you mentioned you had, were writing when you came across Neil Hurston. When did you start? I mean, so you in high school you were at the art school, so you knew you wanted to write mm-hmm. like full stop, like before you could drive. I didn't though. Oh, okay. That's that's the other thing is that I had been writing for so long. I think I have diaries from when I was eight, and I have all these stories still. They're so embarrassing to look at, but kind of cool because I'm like, oh, I mean, you know, they're terrible. Like, but you were trying, you were doing something. But I was writing for all this time. That's like the main thing that I did. But any time an adult would be like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'd be like, I don't know. Oh, you know, I don't know, because nobody had prepared me for the fact that you can do this. Like, this is the thing you could do. Even going to that arts high school, it wasn't like we're preparing you for a possible future as a writer. It wasn't like that. It was just like, this is your arts curriculum. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it took me so long to realize I could do it. I think in undergrad, I went to FSU, uh, that's Florida State University, for creative writing, like as a major, as a major minor whatever I was taking it as and then I had a um who I didn't even realize was a TA at that time because in my mind any person teaching me was just like a full adult professor type person you know but then you know this person was like okay here this these are what um you can do to do writing here's MFAs and blah 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 so I think I was probably like 22 23 before I was like oh you can like I guess someone writes the book that I read and I could be that person yeah did you, so in your undergrad, were you starting to like then really write short stories or did it come at later? So I've been writing short stories, you know, even when I started thinking like, oh, I want to be a writer, obviously you don't think of short stories first because for whatever reason, they're not as promoted 
and unless you are taking some sort of creative writing workshop. So I'm thinking, oh yeah, novelist, novelist, novelist. But then, you know, you take workshops and you're getting assigned homework to write these stories. So the first story that's actually in the collection that I wrote um, was outside the raft. It definitely wasn't like the way that it is in the book, but I wrote a draft of that in undergrad um, as an, as an assignment. And so but even then, still, I was still trying to write this novel that I'm still trying to write mm-hmm. um, and then just taking workshops and still writing stories. And then I realized, like, well, actually, you're really good at writing the story. So why don't you just write some stories, too? For sure. So this dates back to, like, when you were 20-ish, like this collection. Yeah. And Yeah. Th- yeah. The oldest story was written in 2012, I want to say. Okay. So almost a decade's worth of writing has come into yeah. milk blood heat what have and, you, you know not not consecutively but sure yeah you know over time yeah yeah but i mean still i mean looking at yeah, yeah. a writer's career and i know obviously like even that story um with raft like you said it's not what it was when you were in 2012 it's changed and been edited and touched upon what yeah I, this is going to be like very broad. What's the biggest way you feel you've grown since that first draft of that that story that made it in here? I As a writer, I guess. To be honest, of... yeah, because you know, even if you're writing these stories, there's for me, there were still all these questions like, can you do this? Are you allowed to do this? Even though I was doing it, I was still like questioning whether I was allowed to do it. You know, whether it was appropriate for me to be doing it. Um, so I guess over time, just confidence that, well, if I can do it and I can get away with it, then yeah, I can, then I can do it. Like questioning whether you can do it because you were a black woman from Florida or. That was, you know, a woman that I was, um, if, even if I was good enough, if anybody would care, just like those kinds of external questions that I didn't realize were external. Like that was my fear about the perception of me writing. Or, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny because, like, there's so many different paths. I mean, you probably know this because you're in the writing world and have writing friends. But so many paths to get to where you are now, you know? Like, do I do an MFA? Do I not do an MFA? Do I just write yeah. and find an agent? Or do I, you know, do X, Y, or Z? Was there ever a time once you were like, oh, I can do this, that you were like, nah, I, I can't, I got to quit? I quit so many times over the course of me writing. So I, obviously these stories are what we have now, but the novel that I was, that I'm still working on, um, I wrote it originally when I was 12 and found it in 2010 when I was like, you know, moving I can't remember. I was just packing up stuff in my room and I was like, oh, here's this thing. And I was like, oh, it's awful. But I was like, the ideas are not bad. And so from 2010, you know, on, I was like trying to write it and I would like write 15,000 words and like, I can't and quit. And then like a year would go by and then I'd find it again. I'd be like, okay, let's do it again. And then I get to 30,000 and quit. Um, and then in 2015, I stumbled upon MFA draft on Facebook and I learned about uh, you know, then I remembered, oh, yeah, my creative writing teacher talked to me about MFAs. And, you know, I didn't have a writing community in Jacksonville. Um, it's super isolating as far as literary events. And we don't even have 
really any independent bookstores or any kind of thing like that. So I was just very isolated. And so for me, you know, finding out about MFAs and getting in totally changed the trajectory of me doing this work and being supported in doing this work. I don't know that I would have been personally able to do it if not for my MFA. That taught me so much about here's how you get an agent. Here's how you, here's how you revise. Here's how you, you know what I mean? Kind of structure and make a practice last. Um, so yeah, 2015 is when that all kind of happened and then go from there. For sure. And then when, when did this collection start becoming a collection in your mind? Like, you know, were you writing stories with the intent of, oh, these can go together? No. Um, so, so other than the first story, which I wrote years and years before the rest of these, I wrote while I was in my MFA and afterwards. Um, and so I think I had four or five stories before I realized, because at first I was like, you're just writing the same thing with like different characters' names. You are so boring. And then I looked at everything and was like, wait, 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 maybe this is a collection. So it took me like four or five stories in hand before I realized, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is how it's connected. And then after that, I started writing with the intention of how is this story going to be in conversation with these others? How are they going to look as a whole? But it took a minute. It's crazy how long that takes for you to be like, oh, you're doing something. Yeah, yeah especially when you're just writing to write. Like you're, it's like a passion. Yes, like you're trying to get it in lit journals, and etc. But I feel like a short story collection as a, as a writer's first, like, you know, debut, right? It's completely different than a yeah. novel because a novel is like, there's intention from day one with story for it to be like bound and, and, you know, with a publisher short stories. It's like, yeah, I hope uh, an online literary mag picks it up. You know, there's a lot of faith in it or fate in it. Yeah. A lot of faith, but I think that maybe this is like a a Leo thing. I'm, I'm super like, once I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, Oh, it's done. I'm doing it. And then I like, I don't know, talk to the universe and I'm like, okay, look, this is what I'm going to do. And then so far it, it hasn't, I mean, it's happened. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep doing that. I'm just going to decide to do the thing. And then the thing will come, even if it doesn't come the way that I expected it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this collection, the, the, the title story, Milk, Blood, Heat was like from 2018 ish. Yeah. Uh, I got it. Pu- yeah. 2017, I think plowshares published it okay. spring 2017 maybe for sure and i'm always interested in like how a title story becomes a title story how it becomes like the face of a collection was milk blood heat always the story that needed to be the title story no and that's actually a really interesting question because you know once you have this thing that you're like okay this is a collection they belong together and you have to think about what the title is I always wonder about like does it have to be like a, one of the stories in the book has to be the story collection so at first in my like very early this is a collection I was going to call it like six and stones or something like that and then I was like okay well I, I guess I'm seeing that like people just choose one of the stories so maybe I'll see if I have something that fits and I, I liked um, an almanac of bones at first but then one of my friends I was having a conversation with, um, she 
looked at every single one of these stories and was like instrumental. Like she's a great reader for me. She'll be like, you know, this is really great or you're not, you're not living up to your own potential. And, you know, and that was, that's really nice to have somebody who cares about your stories and cares about you that will be honest with you. But she was like, you know, I really like milk blood heat because if you think about it, that connects every single thing that you're talking about. You're talking about connectivity and familial relationships and, you know, this background of Florida's heat, like circulating through every single thing. And it's not even just heat of Florida, it's heat of like living bodies of like of being alive. So she's like, I think that that could work. And then it just kind of like, I went to sleep that night and I woke up still thinking about it. And I was like, I think she's right. (laughs) I think that's exactly right. No, it's like, I mean, before I even even read any of the stories and I saw like, like, like I said, the tweet, I was like, oh, this is, that's a great title. Just even not knowing what your, what your stories were about or what even that, that specific story was about. I was like, that's good. That's some good stuff. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. I had a moment where I was like, you know, I was like, okay, this is the title. And it started going out and then like spent too much time on Twitter and somebody on Twitter was like, oh my God, I'm so tired of trendy three word, you know, titles. And I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) okay, sorry. I'm not. I don't even know what, she, what that person's talking about. Like Every title I think of, I guess, I don't know. There's so many different types of titles out there. I guess I don't focus on like, yeah, what, what something's exactly. called. exactly. Oh, I get, But people, I guess, do. So I was just like, well, sorry, just sorry. That's funny because I, st- I stare at book covers, <laughs> you know, and like read about books a lot of the, my time. And that's not even something I would even have thought about. Anyway, yeah, I guess different the type, Yeah, the types of title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's more of like the, the 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 design of certain covers and like what trends are out right now. Once you start yeah. staring at book covers all day, it's like, oh, this is the same designer. <laughs> um, and your your yeah. yours is great. It's it's like it it, re, it screams Florida just looking at it. The like the color palette and everything. I know. I love it so much. I I got uh, when that when I was sent the cover options, they sent me three. This one was at the top, and I remember so vividly, I was sitting on my couch in the living room, and I opened the file, and I saw that cover, and I scrolled down, looked at the other two, then immediately scrolled back up and started screaming, because I was like, ah, that's the one, I knew it. Like, I knew it when I saw it, but I was like, let me look at these other ones. I was like, no, that's it. That's the one. That's perfect. Um, so So that cover leapt off the page. Milk, Blood, Heat, the title, being the title story, kind of came to you through a friend, um, that was that was. I don't know why I said those two things because the question I'm asking has nothing to do with that. The question <laughs> I want to ask is, what was the hardest story for you to figure out in this collection? So that has to be because so the real hardest story for me to figure out got cut from the book. So that that's that's the secret uh, track edition of that answer, just not even in the book because I was like, I don't have enough time to like make it work now and so we'll just have to figure it out at another time but I think the hardest one or the one that I was asked to go back to over and over was um I think it was snow to be honest um I had like this when I wrote that story it was like much shorter and it was a little bit more ambiguous and I was like well that's the way I wanted to be you know like blah, blah, blah. And it took, it took like five or six revisions for, you know, what I wanted, you know, some, some room for ambiguity 
and what, you know, my editor was asking for, which was like, we still need some kind of, you know, more hint at what, what's going on with these characters' lives to like get that on the page in a way that was like satisfying. Um, so yeah, I think it was snow. Otherwise, the easiest exotics. I wrote that in like one draft. I mean, I know it's a short story, but still that doesn't mean that it's without craft. Um, I think exotics, I just was like, but the thing is, usually for me, stories have to live in my brain for a really long time. So I'm already doing that mental work, even if it's not on the page. So though I wrote that story and I think we maybe did like a small revision. So that's like maybe two drafts for that story. I had had the idea for that story like five or six years ago and, you know, kind of would think about it every now and then be like, what would it be like? How can I make this work? Is it too much to be talking about this specific thing? You know, so. so Is is that the only story that wasn't published previously that's in the collection? Um, no. So let's see how many, a lot of these got taken after it was like, a book um not a lot of them maybe four or five of them i think i published i think six of them were published and then the rest kind of got picked up after after mm-hmm. you know before publication but after it had been sure okay um yeah no, that makes sense. i was just like looking at the table of contents and then looking at the first page as you were talking about exotics um yeah, I always find that interesting too. It's like when that happens, that won't be a question or anything. I just find, I find like the business side of publishing so interesting and like all right, we're going to have a short story really collection is. out. Yeah. We're going to have the short story collection come out. Now we got to start like drumming up business by publishing what we're going to actually have in the book, you know. Yeah, I I did an interview with someone and she didn't end up using it, but she basically was like so it's just so strange to me to think like you're publishing this book and, but then you've already published these stories that people have already read them. So then like, what's the purpose of buying the book? And I was like, Oh, you make a, you, you make a good point. You make a hurtful and good point. Um, <laughs> like, but I was trying to, I was like, well, I would just, you know, it's just because you publish a story somewhere does not mean that everyone read that story. Number one, I was like, you know, people, literary magazines are way less read than people who are trying to get published in those magazines think about. But also, even if, you know, not everyone has read every single story, it's also about the whole of it. How are these all coming together? Because I do think of these stories as picking up energy as they go through. Like, they are linked in my mind, even if not by character. I think that, you know, it does us a disservice to think of, oh, stories can only be linked if it's the same characters or if it's the same whatever. There's so many other links that we're missing out on if we just think of it that way. So... I think that it does do something to have them all together, um, even if you already read, you know, one of them outside somewhere else. And they're different most of the time. Mm-hmm. People have revised them past what when they were published in that whatever literary magazine. Yeah, and it's, I remember a few, maybe it was a year ago, people were tweeting about the chaos of people reading collections out of order. And, uh, oh, yeah. And instead I of, like, that. the order that, you know, you... Know, you put these in and I think I was just like a smart ass and said well I read them in the order that they were published in literary journals and like I was just like semi-joking like I don't like 
I've done that before, <laughs> but like I, but then like I got a, I, me who was like not important on Twitter. Like my replies were people were upset about that. I was like, oh, I was like semi. People were up in arms. <laughs> oh yeah, and you're right. Like with that's so easy to do on Twitter. I know. I just. It's, I mean, I can't even imagine being someone who has, like, actual followers, <laughs> where it's, like, things get retweeted and replies are aplenty. Um, but w- going back to your statement, yes, these these stories were published, but, yeah, they build off each other. There's an energy. I think of it a lot with, like, musicians. Yes, singles are put out, but the album as a whole makes me listen to songs differently. Like, your 100%. collection. Yeah, your collection you know, I'll read something like story seven or six or whatever. And then I'll go back and be like, Oh, this like makes me view milk blood heat slightly differently or whatever, you know? So that's what I would say to those. 100%. A hundred percent. And I think too, I think that's one of the reasons why people might say something like, Oh, normally I don't read short stories. Normally I don't, because it's not like this. Um, even if you have a novel that's kind of written, um, not non-linearly, um, there's still like this through line where you can follow it and you're like, you know, okay, this makes a logical sort of sense. And all I have to do is just keep turning the pages where it's not as easy with a short story collection, especially if the characters aren't linked, but I story collection is already like an album anyway, like you're saying. And like, I know, for example, like if you think about it, like I've, I've had a couple of people tell me like, Oh, I wish these stories were more connected. I was like, well, I mean, that's just, you like understanding what's happening in the story and maybe rereading. That's okay to have to reread stuff. But if you think about Feast is the second story in the book and it ends on, you know, this particular image. And then you go to the next story, which is titled Tongues. I'm just like, I mean, even those types of connections were definitely on purpose when I thought about what's the order I want these stories to appear in. For sure, for sure. And like, yeah, I just I just love this collection and... I'm, I'm I am obsessed with Florida, <laughs> in a way. Um, <laughs> just because I think I just remember it being like the brunt of a lot of jokes in like the early internet or my early internet experience. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean it, always. Yeah. Now. And, Especially now. And it's so interesting because it's like I mean we we were talking about you know the presidency recently because yesterday the day we're recording this yesterday was the inauguration. And Florida plays such a huge role in so much more than we give it credit for. And and I know we, like, put it on a pedestal every four years to be like, oh, electoral college. But I feel like Florida, like, on down years, it's like, you know what's going on in America when you read what's going on in Florida. (laughs) I think that, I think you might be right. I think that might be true. Um. It's diverse. It's so much going on, which makes me so mad when they paint it as just this, you know, ubiquitous red backwater state where I'm like, you realize the South is suppressed, right? Like, just look at what happened in Georgia. Come on now. Y'all know we're suppressed. Be smart. Be logical. But, you know, the memes are so good. I mean, I guess just can't give up the memes. For sure. Um, Well, I just want to wrap up with I mean, Florida's amazing, the state, and then your collection is amazing. What? So, And you're amazing, so thank you so much for taking the time to talk to thank me. Thank you. Um, this was a really good conversation. I had fun. Yeah, I'm trying to just, like, whatever. People, I feel like if I was a debut author, you're going through so many interviews that are asking so many similar questions where I'm like, oh, let's just pretend like we're at a coffee shop and 
we'll see where this goes. <laughs> um, no, it's really good because it's so nerve wracking. Oh, I can. And imagine. this made me feel like at ease. So for sure, good, good. I, well, thank like that's that's great because I feel like I'm just stumbling through life and stumbling through this podcast every single time I talk to. We someone. all are. <laughs> um, this this is good. This is good. So. Yeah, I, so I've gushed about your book. What are books that you've read recently, or that might be coming out that that you're just excited about that you that you vibe with? Yeah, so obviously 2020 was a very distracting year, so I definitely didn't read as much as I wanted to. But there, I did do some reading, and there are books that I'm super excited that are coming out. So I was able to read um, uh, Lily King's Writers and Lovers, and you know it's. I know people have this thing too, where they're like, I don't like reading about writers. And I'm like, why? They'll like, you're a writer. Like, <laughs> it's fine. I thought that book was really good. Um, I was absorbed in it and it was very hard to be absorbed um, this year. So that book I read and loved. I'm really looking forward to Shayla Seabree's Field Study. It's this kind of hybrid prose poem that's talking about um, the desire and the resistance of whiteness. Um, and so that one's really interesting. I'm looking forward to Thraya Alamonster's The Wild Fox of Yemen, the poetry collection. And right now in my hands, I'm going to read like ASAP because I'm getting ready to teach. And next week is um, Matthew's, I can't ever say his last name, Salis's, uh, His Craft in the Real World, uh, Rethinking Fiction Writing and Workshopping. I'm really interested in reading that because I like reading craft books. I'm always like, how are you teaching language? Like, what are you doing? And then that way I can like figure out how I'm teaching it and, you know, spin off of that. So those are the books I'm excited about right now. I want to thank Dontiel so much for hopping on the podcast today. You can find her on Twitter at Dontiel W. Moniz and her Instagram, which is a great handle. It is DZBotPress. You can discover more debut authors at daybeautiful.net on Instagram and Twitter at daybeautiful. As always, I'm Adam, this is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful.